Hey listeners. In our podcast, we tell stories of true crime and hauntings, and these stories can sometimes contain gruesome and explicit details. This podcast is not intended for listeners who may not want to listen to the graphic description of true crime events. It may cause triggers. Our hosts are by no means experts on any subject matter they discuss. They're just two friends telling you true stories from our home in the Pacific Northwest. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Or don't. That's okay, too. Can I start yeah, checking my check, check. <laughs> Sorry, keep speaking. I am sorry, I'm keep speaking. I am sorry, I'm it's keep speaking. Definitely okay, I'm just going to not touch it because I feel like it was good. It's definitely a Saturday night. It's a Saturday night, and I'm working not to move yet. Oh, my pretty baby. <laughs> okay, That's, I just... You just mix like, four songs, I feel like. <laughs> okay. Saturday night, and you make it come on. Oh, pretty <laughs> baby. Okay, I just have to say, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, good. Um, I just have to comment... Uh-oh. ...on the fact that I love that me and your daughter, your 12-year-old... 11. 11-year-old, have the exact same shoes, the Vans Classic Eras, and hers are half-size bigger than mine. <laughs> she is a tall one. I love it, though. No, I'm I like, are those my shoes? Why are my shoes in your bathroom? Oh, right. No, we have the same shoes, because that's what's up. I had to take, to an, take her to an appointment recently, and, and because of COVID, they're really careful on how many people are allowed in an appointment. And so we're standing there together. She's literally as tall as I am or taller. And she's wearing a mask, so you can't really even see her face. Like, she still looks like a kid, but she's so big and tall and skinny. And they're like, okay, come on in. And I was like, oh, but it was an important appointment for a, a future thing that I need to hear about. And they're like, oh, you're only 11. I guess you can bring your mom. And I was like, yeah, only 11. And she looks like she's 16, but they were almost going to make me wait and yeah. then give this kid all this information. And I've been like, she doesn't know what you're talking about. She doesn't about. know anything. No, she she's... is now, I think, taller than me as well. Oh, for sure she is. I love it. She's going to grow up to be way cooler than we ever were. She's pretty funny, actually. I know. She's, I... she's a funny kid. She is a funny kid. You guys, we have a new part of our routine now. We have lit the Jesus candle. And uh, Sage and Ember is a beautiful company that creates lovely things uh, for all of your self-care cleansing needs. Not so much physical, but spiritual cleansing. So we have some smokeless, uh, crystal-infused smokeless cleansing spray, which I have doused. The pod lab with. The pod lab, because you know what? We talk about some evil shit. So Cleanse it. And also this beautiful wrap. You need like to know. Cedar. Wait, you need to know what it's fucking called before you talk shit. Okay, can I can I smell it and see if I think I know what's in it? Cedar, lavender, sage. It's beautiful. It smells amazing. Please tell me I'm right. Seasonal herbs and floral elements that will be used to create a special bundle. The smoke cleansing is done to remove negative energy in a space and to invite a higher spiritual vibe to take its place. So oh. by using the smoke of aromatic plants, we can create a more peaceful environment. So this cleansing bundle includes sage, lavender, and cedar to help restore harmony, positivity, and calm your space and yourself. Kezia, get the fuck calm. What up? I was right. 
my but, nose and my eyes don't deceive me. Honestly, though, guys, these little bundles she puts together is are absolutely beautiful. They'd be a great gift or I, I, add to your self care routine. Yeah. Anything like that. I honestly can't stop sniffing it. I know. It smells incredible. I can't wait to light this bad boy. We're so calm. We have nothing else to say, you guys. I know. I don't even want to talk I about. I think bad we're shit. gonna go to bed now. You know what? Is your mom coming? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Maybe she got lost. We have a special guest sitting it's in a tonight. Special silent. Ge- oh. Oh. Okay. Darla's mom is sitting in as a silent guest tonight. A silent sub. Rebecca. We well, Rebecca, Rebecca can cut we need that you, out. Rebecca, we need you back. <laughs> so, but she's on strict rules. <laughs> Don't touch anything. Uh, we watched a scary movie with my mom once, and it was the worst <laughs> decision we've ever made. We had to rewatch it recently, actually. And it was actually scary the second Us, time. The... Uh, us, right? Yeah, it was us. That movie, movie us. Cool. Such a good movie. Um, but yeah, she should talk through the whole thing. Yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. But we love you, Bonnie, and you're always welcome to watch movies with us. Mostly. Not always, always, but sometimes. Always, always. Maybe a solid 25% of the time. Should we top up? Yells. I gave you my comfy chair. I hope you noticed that because now I'm sitting here like a fucking shrimp back fuck. <laughs> right? Oh my god, she wants to light. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Will you also then blow the Jesus candle at the end of the episode? You have to, if you, thine one who lighteth Jesus has to thine blown it. Thine be blown. (laughs) That was official sounding. (laughs) She's like, she can't figure out how to use the the light stick. (laughs) Thine has been litten. Thank you. Oh, this is exciting. (gasps) I have a share. That was sent to us from a fan friend, Chelsea. So, back in the day before there was like cameras or like proper ways to document things out in the deep sea, Mm -hmm. um, I'll just read it. Apparently, back in the early days of exploration, many travelers would simply draw what they found or saw, since that means. Since the means to study, photograph, further explore didn't exist yet. Well, this is where many of our deep sea monster stories come from, because as it turns out, many of these drawings may have depicted large tentacled and alien esque appendages emerging from the water, giving belief to something larger and more sinister lurking beneath. However, in many cases, it was really just whale dicks. <laughs> what? Whales often mate in threes, so while one male was busy with the female, the other male just pops his dick out of the water while swimming around, waiting its turn. Here are... Are you about to show me whale porn? The photos. Okay. Does that not look like a sea monster? It looks like the devil's tongue. Yeah, it's huge. It's emerging from the water. It looks like a sea monster. It's oh. actually just a whale's dick. <laughs> That is something I never But could you look at that and think the early explorers possibly thought that those were sea monsters? Oh, for sure. I'd be like, I'm sorry, do you see that thing beyond? Like, what in the shit is that? Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Interesting, I think I'd rather it be sea sea monsters than a whale dick. Well, I mean, yeah, that dick's coming nowhere near me, that's for sure. (laughs) Fair. That's fair. Okay, um... (laughs) Do you have anything? All I can to think share? of is whale dicks now. I mean, you should have gone last. Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks That's great, for that. Chelsea. That's. I mean, <laughs> we are the right people to share that with. 
Um, um, I do have something to share, actually. So I had taken my son to his lacrosse pl- practice, and while we were, th- my daughter came with me, and there was some graffiti on the side of the the building, and it was no big deal. And all of a sudden, my daughter goes, "Twat waffle, what's a twat waffle?" What? And I'm like, "Pardon." And sure enough, someone had written "twat waffle" on the side of the building, right where they go in. <laughs> what? Uh, what is a twat waffle? Well, I did look it up because <laughs> you, I didn't you think you looked it up. I did. I'm like, well, I looked. Yeah, no, I did. I looked up twat waffle straight up. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me let you know what that is. I didn't think it was a good thing for a nine-year-old to talk about. Uh, it's saying twat waffle and, and just didn't think she would read it. But it was like, no problem. She's just like, oh, what's a twat waffle? <laughs> okay, a twat waffle, guys. A twat waffle is a complete idiot, a dumbass, or an imbecile. So oh. it's not nearly as dirty as I thought it initially was. Hilarious. And if I said, oh, it just means you're an idiot, well, then I would come home to her calling her brother a th- twat waffle all the time. <laughs> Another, mis- you know. She would do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I just... It was like, I don't know. It's probably. <laughs> call him a twat waffle all the time. Asher's being a twat waffle. <laughs> it's got of, a nice ring to it's it. It's not bad, man. I might. But for that. the person that vandalized the lacrosse box, grow up. Also, you spelled waffle wrong, so. How whatever. did they spell it? Only with one F. Oh. It's a waffle. <laughs> twat waffle. <laughs> Get a job. Twiddly twat waffle. <laughs> This is uh, Radio Face Stories. Hi. The podcast. I'm Kezia. I'm Darla. Welcome back. And we tell you stories that... Might make you stoked on life. Might teach you new slang. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Informative learning experiences. That's what we're here for. Right in your ear holes. You betcha. Once a week. I did a thing today. You did a thing? What, did you have something? No, I didn't do a thing today. I, um... I... Painted my rollerblades. First of all, I went and found rollerblades at the thrift store. Wait, did you do this all in one day? No, I got okay. the rollerblades like weeks ago, okay. and I was just like, they're just sitting there. Right. So me and my friend, we painted them today, and I put them on. And I am not joking. I have not rollerbladed for probably 20 years, and I killed it. Dude, I was so good. stoked. That's so good. I can't wait. We need to share a picture of your like souped up blades because they looked amazing. I had fun painting them. I like straight up from the 90s, 80s, whatever era that was. Can you and will you bring all your stuff and like paint the neighborhood kids rollerblades? Yes. If they all dazzled like that, I'd be so impressed. I know. Well, I, when I first rocked up here, I saw that there was rollerblades laying around all over the cul-de-sac. Tell and I was like, did you say you rocked up here? Like you didn't just walk up here, you straight up rocked up the driveway? <laughs> yeah. I fucking love that. Continue. And I was like, hey guys, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, so many rollerblades. I was like, I, got, I put rollerblades on today. Next time I'll bring them. And they were like, Okay, whatever, dude. Okay, old lady. <laughs> yeah, well, this old lady's going to rollerblade with us. I'm going to show those kids up. You know what? Emery, for sure, and Asher would be stoked. They'd be like, oh, because they think you're their best friend. That's so. so cute. Plus, there's a little ramp. Emery's got that little ramp. I would love to see you rollerblade up that ramp, I would Kezia. probably eat shit. Yes, you would. But I would try. I would Good. try and get some sick air. And when you do that, I will be there waiting and watching <laughs> okay. with my camera. In, in slow-mo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, you got like three feet of air that time. <laughs> Napoleon. We haven't seen each other for a week. 
It has been over a week. I was like having withdrawals. Mm-hmm. I know. Do you get that? <laughs> I feel like because we see each other at least once I a was, week, so when we don't, it's weird. I was really excited for you to come today. So, yes. Nice. What are we going to watch later? Fuck. The scariest thing I can find. Oh, we should talk about um, Theater Russell Crowe. Lights. Oh, yes. Russell Crowe. So, in our, in our earlier podcast, I thought he was wearing a fat suit. So when in, we're talking about the movie Unhinged, Unhinged. with Russell Crowe. Yeah, and we were kind of like laying into him a little bit. Yeah. So it turns out he purposely gained weight for that movie. He did a good job. He took that role seriously. So, yeah, I just don't understand why they put themselves through that for one role. Because, I mean, I mean, it's really easy to gain a lot of weight. It's their job. They get paid to do that. I know, I, if someone like, paid me to get fat. Okay, but, yeah, when you're level. in your, like, 50s, though, like, how hard is it going to be to lose that extra 40 pounds? Not so hard when you have, like, a nutritionist and a professional whatever. I mean, that's, that's commitment to the role, man. I'm... You're... Not only do you get to live your life for however many months it takes to get fat, just being fat and happy, then someone that's paid for, like, makes you be healthy without you lifting a finger, essentially. Aside from the physical workout, they're going to make your foods for you. They're going to set all your routine. They do all the mental work, which is hard. You just fucking show up and collect your paycheck. That's true. Sign me the fuck up. If you want to pay me to get fat, I'm your girl. that, That would be sweet. Yeah. Like... I could get fat so easily. <laughs> right? I get fat without even trying, so <laughs> I feel like. But, like, I just feel, I feel bad because I thought that he was, like, Kezia, in don't, hair and makeup. Don't feel bad. Role. Don't feel well, bad. Well, I don't feel bad. For Russell Crowe. No. He doesn't feel bad he for just... you. <laughs> he shouldn't. No. He doesn't. <laughs> Russell. God damn it, Russell. <laughs> Should we start our podcast? I guess. Okay. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let's try that rock, real time. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay, rock, paper, scissors. Son of a bitch. You knew that we always do. What? You knew that You knew that we always tied with scissor. You deliberately did paper because you wanted me to go first. No, it's false news. I'm just trying to switch it up a little. Okay, so um, Darla wanted to switch it up tonight. and Oh, yes, I did. So she asked that we do... A survivor story. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're actually, my story is n- not from BC. I'm I'm sure Darla's is not either. But we're ex- expanding our horizons. Not all the time, just this episode. Uh, yeah. We're still going to, you know, focus on local stuff as much as possible. But for this specific topic, we branched out. So yours is within Canada, correct? Yeah. And mine is actually in the States, so I hope that doesn't upset anybody, but it's our podcast, so. And we do what we want. Yeah, yours. <laughs> okay, so my story is on Ashley Collingbull. Have you heard of her? I haven't. I'm excited for this. Okay. Okay. So Ashley is was born on October 21st, 1989. She is from the Enoch Cree First Nation in Alberta. Ashley is a Canadian actress, model, influencer, leader, and activist. Holy smokes. But most of all, Ashley Collingbull is a survivor. With a rad last name. I know, right? (laughs) She is dope. Yes, she is. She's super inspiring. Okay. So, Ashley's always been open about the abuse she suffered as a child, and she wants to continue using her story as inspiration for others. 
Ashley's upbringing was rough, difficult, and pretty tragic. As she describes it, it was a constant struggle, but she overcame it. They lived in poverty. My mom's boyfriend at the time would take everything from us. I had really low self-esteem. The abuse started when I was five. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. When we finally escaped around age 11, we went to my grandmother's house on Enoch Cree Nation. As I got older, I had really bad trust issues with everyone. I was really angry for a long time. I hated myself. I thought everything was my fault. Ashley was physically and sexually abused by her mother's boyfriend. She was a victim to racism, going to an off-reserve school, and she even had rocks and dirt thrown at her. From starting at the age of five? When she went to school. That's but awful. But her abuse started when she was five. I know. Very sad. Ultimately, she says, it was her culture that saved her. Spending more time with her grandparents who practiced traditional indigenous medicine and learning about her culture gave her strength that she never knew she had inside her. The culture that I have is the one thing I can carry with me wherever I go, and it's the one thing that makes me stronger. The physical and sexual abuse was passed on from her abuser's parents. They were residential school survivors that were abused by their parents, and the, they abused their children in turn, and then she was abused. So it's crazy that past experiences that had nothing to do with her affected her to this day. I find that absolutely I find it fascinating but devastating at the same time that this trauma can be passed down in generations and, yeah. and how real that is and how it is something that needs to be acknowledged and understood. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, keep going. that's generally the pattern, I think. Um, and that's just normal for First Nations people to deal with. Yeah, Ashley's passion for change wasn't shaped from only her experiences. It was from seeing and hearing the experiences of other Indigenous women across Canada. That impacted her deeply, especially missing Indigenous women. One day she decided that she was over the suffering. She said it was weird having a decent bed at her grandma's house compared to the mattress on the floor that she had growing up. And she realized that no one was going to help her. That her family would be there to support her, but ultimately she would have to be the one to pull herself through this. So she decided she was going to start with school. She said, I never want to be poor again. I never want to pick bottles. I never want to be beat up and raped. And then Ashley pursued acting. She said it was a way for her to be anyone else but herself. Ashley became the first Indigenous woman to be chosen as Miss Canada in 2015. So she started going into pageants, and that was a pretty big milestone, I think. And then later she became the first Indigenous woman to win Miss Universe. Holy smokes. And sorry, she's from Alberta? Yeah. Love it. Amazing, right? Yep. She decided to selflessly then use the media attention and the interviews to address First Nations issues. Incredible. It is. Yep. Ashley understands firsthand how these issues affect her people, 
issues many indigenous women face, like increased rates of sexual assault, which are ignored and pushed aside. Ashley encourages indigenous people to vote and brings much attention to the missing and murdered indigenous women movement. So if you guys don't know about that, you should definitely get informed and um, join the movement. It's pretty shocking how real this is and the statistics of how many indigenous women go missing is unfathomable. Well, it's the lack of, I think, media attention and uh, police action, I mm-hmm. think, are a big part of it. Um, yeah. That it it's kind of just all overlooked. Yeah, like, I think it's like there's somehow oh, less sure. than exactly right when that's, and I think it's important to bring it's not okay awareness to this issue because it's a huge one. Um, so this movement spreads awareness and fundraises for Indigenous women who face various types of violence. Four out of five Indigenous women are affected by violence. Like, just think about that for a second. But the problem is that most people don't know about this. So I think we should also make a point to cover a few of these stories because there's a lot. Absolutely. Ashley is breaking the silence. She's showing the world that Indigenous women are powerful, brave, and fighters. She is a source of hope for those women and an inspiration for other women. The love for her culture is infectious and leads to other sectors of the work that she does. She gave a TED Talk called What I Know Now. And there she says, there is a bigger picture than you. Everything is bigger than you. The more you can give back to your community or your people, you'll be able to make big change. And I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. She's a spokeswoman for Nike and seven other organizations. She's She was also on the Amazing Race Canada with her stepdad. And they were the first pair of First Nations contestants mm-hmm. ever. And they came third. Aww. I know. So cool. <laughs> She is breaking the boundaries with fashion brands and being an Indigenous woman using her voice and standing out. I just think it's so cool what she's doing. Like, she's just such a powerhouse. Ashley's future goals are to create her own foundation, focusing on women and children who face homelessness and have gone through domestic abuse, strictly for Indigenous women and children, because that's the highest rate. There isn't enough room in shelters normally, so she wants to have somewhere for them to go, and everyone deserves a, a better life. And then I'll just end with another quote of hers. Never be ashamed of being First Nations or Indigenous from any other part of the world because that is who you are and that is what shapes you as a human being. I love this lady. Yeah, she's amazing. What I like is that, you know, it It wasn't, it seems like it wasn't, until she was reconnected with her culture when she moved into her grandparents' place that she really, she used that as a stepping stone and found her voice and her worth and, you know, like healed mm-hmm. when, once she had that back. Exactly. And how important people's culture are to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's important to recognize that and like never be ashamed of who you are, where you came from, um, because, yeah, everyone has a story to tell. And I just think it's really cool. I've never heard of this lady, so. I never, I honestly, like, I can't believe I haven't. Like, she is amazing. Have you heard of this lady? So, you guys, if you, yeah, get informed about 
the missing and murdered indigenous women. And if you can donate, like donate to, you know, your local women's shelters or anywhere, really. <laughs> That's, That's a little, so dumb. That was a little vague. <laughs> Just donate every, anywhere. Yeah, donate to everything, okay? Just donate. Be a better All human. your money. Be human. Donate. Be a better human and give your money away. So there's a website, um, the Native Women's Association of Canada. It's a nonprofit national indigenous organization. And uh, there's a, we'll link the website in our Instagram and in Facebook uh, profiles. And you're able to follow the link there to donate if you have the means. Um, please consider that. You can also donate to your local women's shelter. Um, they're always looking for things. And they also usually have a list of things that they're needing if you can donate items as well. Yeah. Thank you, Gizia. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. What she said. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So I got my information from scholarblogs.emory.edu, Inspiring Indigenous Youth, an article from December 11th, 2019, cbc.ca, an article from February 19th, 2018, fashionmagazine.com, July 28th, 2020, youngjourneys.ca, an article from September 26, 2018. Guys, also that website, youngjourneys.ca, there's some incredible stories on there. Um, There's a section called Strong Women and Survival Stories. If you're looking for some inspiration and just, yeah, a good read, go check it out. And I've actually noticed all the red dresses along the highway. I I think it's just, it's a way to create awareness and to keep... To, to get people talking about it. Yeah. Because we need to talk about these things. Keep the conversations going. Absolutely. You're correct. And that was a fantastic story. Thank you. Okay, break time? Nice. Hi. It's Rebecca from Radio Face Stories. This week's shout-out goes to our guest last week, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us. Your story was awesome. You're awesome. Please come back. We want to hear more. Enjoy the rest of the show. I say it again. Appreciate it now. Rebecca is the the backbone of this podcast. Without, no, she really is. Without her, we wouldn't have a podcast. No, you no, we wouldn't. I mean, we wouldn't. It would just sound like shit. <laughs> yeah, it'd be an unfinished, uncut. Steaming Raw. pile of shit. <laughs> Delinquent <laughs> steaming pile of shit. Totally. Or what is he? He's to be a pedantic, defecated bastard, a belligerent old fart, to worthless steaming pile of cow dung. Figuratively speaking. <laughs> That's the one. Liar, liar, what up? Oh, yeah. Okay, you guys, buckle up. Oh, I am excited this for this. This is my Survivor this story. This is the whole reason why we're doing Survivor Stories, because Darla was really excited about this story, so I'm, I'm really excited about this story. I'm sorry. I am overstoked, if that's a thing, yeah. about this story. Okay, this is a story of Susan Walters Kuhnhausen. I don't expect you to know who she is, but you will after <laughs> Wait, this. Wait, I need to um do this first. I want you to sit back in Kuhnhausen. Sit back and enjoy this. Mm-hmm. This lady is your new hero. You just don't know yet. I'm pretty sure that you are my hero. Well, this lady is much more, more deserving of that title. Okay. I believe you. So in the 1980s, Susan became an RN. And she moved to uh, 
shortly after sh- she became, I guess I should say it sorry, earlier. Hold on a minute. <laughs> I am overstoked, if that's a thing, yeah. about this story. Okay, this is a story of Susan Walters Kuhnhausen. So Susan Kuhnhausen uh, was a, became an RN in the 1980s, and shortly after she moved to Portland, Oregon, from where, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I just know that she moved to Oregon after she became an RN. Which um, is a registered nurse, yes. for those of you that don't know. I, yes, that's right. And Oregon is in the United States. Of America. America. She's known to be full of life, and she had a contagious laugh. So she's a big, fun lady. Sweet. Sweet lady. She was 33 years old, and she decided to place a singles ad in the local paper um, looking you know, to find a partner. So this is like the 80s version of Tinder. So <laughs> Cute. Like, right? But yeah. hey, that's a thing that happened. Um, so she, this is, I got some, some part of her, her actual ad. She titled it someone different, single white female, 33, overweight, but not over life. (laughs) Seeks single male that wants more out of life than just slender. She's a health, uh, healthcare worker, enjoys exploring the Northwest, interested in conversation, intelligent, thoughtful, and full of humor. Must be emotionally and physically mature. Oh my goodness. I love that. I kind of love this lady a lot already with just okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Right. First of all, can we go back to that? Because I feel like when you see people's photos, you're just judging them based on their looks. That's the kind of shit that you want to judge someone on. This is the real shit. And the fact that she was like, must be emotionally mature. That's, there you go. There you go. That's sold. It. That's all you I'm need. I'm in. Yeah. Sign me up. That's right. So not too long after, she actually got a reply from a man named Mike Kuhnhausen. It's reported that they talked on the phone for more than 100 hours before their first date. This is what Susan herself actually said. So they really took their time to get to know each other before they even met. Sorry, what was her last name? Originally, it was Walters. So, oh, so they have the same last name. Well, they got, okay. Okay. So her name originally is Susan Walters. Okay. Okay. I just was confused for a second. It's okay. I understand. So but they went on their first date uh, in February 1998. So they talked on the phone for more than 100 hours before they went on their first date. And she said that he had a nice voice and she was impressed that he wanted to talk about the deeper stuff. So come February 1998, they went on their first official date where they went to a place to feed ducks and squirrels. Adorable. Adorable. So several months later, they drove to Reno to get married. So it was all real quick, you know. But when I think when you feel like you found that right person, you're very excited to move to these next milestones, right? Exactly. How, sorry, how old was she? Uh, I think she 30. would have been 33 or 34. Okay, yeah. yeah. Not long after, though, after the marriage, things started to fall apart. Mike told her that he had never been actually very happy with her, and uh, he actually had a really shitty philosophy on life. He, he often would say, life is a shit sandwich, and every day you take another bite until you die. Oh, Wow. So, I mean, that's not very enjoyable to wake up with a person with that mentality every day. I mean, a bit of a downer. Yeah, I'd say dabs. <laughs> Mike grew up in Oregon uh, originally, uh, and he later served in the military. He told Susan that he had fought in the Vietnam War, but he was actually a switchboard operator. So he lied about that. Oh. Yeah. He had worked. He was working as a janitor at the time of when he married, or just shortly after their marriage. Actually, he worked as a janitorial supervisor for a company that o- uh, owned adult video stores. 
And he, during that time, hired a man named Edward Haffey to clean the floors of a specific video store in town. He was reported as an emotionally abusive man towards Susan. He criticized her whenever she went out, how she dressed, anytime she spent money. Um, When she'd go to give him a kiss, he would burp in her face. That is disgusting. Which is probably the most fucking enraging thing I've ever read. That is gross, yeah. That would make me so angry. (laughs) I don't know if I'd be responsible for my actions after someone did that to me. You would get a punch to the mouth, I would lose it. To the throat, maybe. Poor, like, poor lady. I know, that's gross. So by 2005, she'd had enough. She wanted a divorce. But Mike wanted to reconcile and work on their marriage. He He didn't want a divorce. So maybe he should stop being a fucking loser about it. Yeah. Susan had come from a broken home. Her parents divorced when she was quite young. And she actually said her parents loved her, but they couldn't teach her how to have a successful marriage more than they could teach her how to fly. So it's she thinks that she overlooked a lot of red flags and just didn't, you know, didn't notice any of the problems early on. So she wanted a divorce and she actually kicked Mike out. He moved out and went to live with his dad, but they were still... You know, they still talked. They were still friends. She she never changed the alarm code of her house, didn't change the locks. So he was still had access to the home. She'd actually get him to come and feed the cats when she was, you know, away or busy working. So one night after she had worked, she came home and found a note from Mike stuck to her microwave. And it said he'd gone to the beach because he hadn't been able to sleep and needed to get away. She didn't really think much. Like, it's a little odd, but she didn't think a lot of it. Whatever. It's no big deal. So it's 6.40 p.m. this evening, and she's standing in the kitchen. At the same time, Edward Haffey, a 59-year-old Vietnam veteran struggling with addiction, was standing behind her bedroom door. She noticed her room looked very dark, and she typically opens the blinds in the morning, and so she wondered if she'd forgotten to do that. She entered her room and came face-to-face with Haffey, a 5'9", 190-pound man, wearing two pairs of gloves and holding a hammer. (gasps) Wait, who is this guy? We don't know yet. Well, oh, sort of. He's know. there. Yep. Okay. Susan reported, we were nose to nose. I could feel his wet, winded breath on my face. I saw a man step out of the shadows, and he started to hit me in the head with a hammer. As an ER nurse, um, she had taken many, many years of self-defense classes, which is something they're required to do. They have to be able to handle psychiatric cases uh, they'd have to know how to disarm somebody if they have something. They have to know how to physically uh, hold someone and get them down in a safe position. So when Haffy came at her, instead of trying to get away, she actually moved closer, knowing that the blows of the hammer would be less effective if he couldn't take a full swing. Wow. Yeah. That's such a heads-up play, right? Yeah. She fought and wrestled the hammer out of his hands and started hitting him with it. Susan said her father, who was a carpenter, always taught her that a hammer could be used in self-defense, but to always use the claw end. So she, like, flipped it in her hand and hit him with the claw end instead of the The hammer hammer end. Yeah. Use the claw side, guys. Why? It's sharper. It's going to fucking embed into your... Oh, the claw. Sorry. I I thought you meant the other end of the hammer. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. (laughs) She was smaller than him, but she had a lot of weight to her, and she used her own body weight to slam him slam him down and she tried to get him to fall but he didn't and at that time he spoke the only words he would speak to her that night which was you're strong he said she knew at that moment that he was there to kill her he wasn't there to rob her or because he would have taken off 
he was there to fight her and, and he wanted to kill her. She pulled him to the floor and started biting on his arms and thighs, and she bit him through the pants near his groin. She said that she was going, if she was going to die, she wanted to leave her teeth marks on his skin so they were embedded into his flesh so he would be tied to the murder. She felt for a wallet or ID, anything she could, to be able to fling to the corner of the room so the police would find it later. Imagine having this kind of like thought wow. process yeah. when you're fighting for your life. After an exhausting 14-minute fight, she managed to hoist herself on top of Haffy, and she screamed in his face as she held him in a chokehold. Tell me who sent you, and I'll call you a fucking ambulance. That is badass. Isn't that the best thing you've ever yeah. heard? <laughs> yes. That deserves a cheers. Cheers to Susan. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> he only growled in response, and she continued to choke him out until he stopped moving. As soon as he did so, she grabbed the hammer and ran to her neighbor's house. She had the neighbor call 911, and as the neighbor spoke to the operator, he let her let them know what happened. The operator asked if she needed an ambulance, and the neighbor replied, well, she's bleeding, but she's a nurse. She says to call an ambulance for the guy because he might be dead. <laughs> Whoopsie. When the police arrived, there was no sign of forced entry, and she had let them know that she had set the alarm in the morning, so the alarm had been turned off. Only her and her ex-husband knew the alarm. The code was actually their wedding date. Autopsy showed that um, Haffy died of asphyxiation, but he also had a near-death dosage of cocaine in his system. They found a backpack that wasn't Susan's in her basement. It belonged to Haffy, and inside there was a planner that said, Call Mike, get letter, inside. And there was a folder with her ex-husband's cell phone number written on it. Whoa. Guys, don't, if you're planning to murder someone, don't bring a backpack to the murder scene with all the fucking info yeah. like what are you really like you're gonna forget to do that that day like writing it down in a journal yeah you're yeah exactly you already know what you're gonna do <laughs> don't forget put put all the names and numbers in your freaking wallet what am i doing on wednesday <laughs> killing Me, susan killing a lady and happy also had a pretty serious uh record with police previously he had served time for a conspiracy to commit murder he had arranged the murder of his ex-girlfriend, uh, a 39-year-old woman named Georgia Lee Dutton. Haffy was a custodian. So Haffy, how the, he's connected to her husband is he was the custodian for the adult video store. His boss was Susan's ex-husband, which police, you know, shortly found out. Hold on. I need to move this cord. Cause... There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Please, that sounds so gross. What are you doing? It's like horse? when the dogs are drinking water. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's like they dishin- like, like unhinge their jaw and like. <laughs> like a horse eating a carrot. I like licked my own chin. A horse trying to get some grain off of your hand. <laughs> Ooh, Asher's new joke. I should tell you that one. You ready? Yeah. What do vegetarian zombies eat? What? Grains. Oh my god. Okay. Sorry, back on topic. So police discovered that Haffy had told his friends that Mike, which is Susan's ex husband, had offered him fifty thousand dollars to kill his ex wife. Oh shit. So I mean, not a good guy to hire that's off bragging to his friends or what the plan is. On the day of the murder, Mike drove out of town and checked into a hotel. 
but later that evening he returned to Portland to buy a gun from a pawn shop. On September 8th, a suicide note had been found at his father's house, and the police put out a bulletin on Mike to... They wanted to find him. Mm-hmm. Five days later, police located him at a medical center as he was checking himself in because he had nothing to live for. Oh. So that was like a psychiatric hospital. Oh, wow. Poor He guy. pleaded that he was innocent, claiming he didn't even know Haffy, despite the significant evidence saying otherwise. A friend of Haffy contacted police, and he was actually a former cellmate of him, of Haffy, mm-hmm. and said that Mike had offered both of them five thousand dollars to kill his wife but he had declined but clearly Haffy accepted the offer which wasn't fifty thousand it was five <laughs> mike claims susan's brother was the benefit uh, beneficiary of her life insurance not him so that he had no reason for her to kill for to kill her he had no reason there's no benefit to him but they had recently paid off their house which was worth three hundred thousand and that would belong to him if she had died they charged charged and arrested him 11 hours later he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for hiring a hitman to kill his wife susan susan was worried that he would try to hire a hitman again from jail so she sued him for emotional distress and she was awarded fifty three thousand seven hundred and eighty three dollars for medical bills and lost wages an additional one million dollars for pain and suffering exhausting him of all funds amazing how fucking rad is that though that is rad. It is. 90 days before his release date, Mike died in prison of prostate cancer. Oh, shit. Their festering ball <laughs> cancer actually came. That's right. <laughs> freaking cherry on top of the story. Yeah, so he passed away Friday, June 13th, 2014, after serving eight years. And that is the story of Susan. I guess her name isn't Kuhnhausen anymore. It would be... Susan Walters, my hero. Amazing. Susan, you're a legend. Oh. Bonnie just put the disco lights on. We're partying for Susan. So I got my information from episode 19, a podcast called Today in True Crime, episode 128 of Sinisterhood, one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, Wweek.com and badassoftheweek.com. Oh, that is the badass of the week. Shout out. Dude, how cool is that lady? She ripped that guy apart. Yeah. So I was, because when I was trying to find a story, I actually listened to, there's a podcast called I Survived. There's a TV show. There's episodes of that. I Survived. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the podcast newer, maybe. Anyways, um, I listened to this one lady's story and it's like, when you're in these situations, it's the little things. She's like, I remember looking at the clock on the wall so I knew what time it was as she was being raped. Um, she remembers like certain things in the room or like sounds or whatever, noticing things Absolutely. that you can, or she said um, like a piece of clothing that they used, you know, she threw it in the corner or whatever. And it's right. like, and that's what this lady did as well. And I think the fact that she was an ER nurse, you know, that you're trained to triage, you're trained to uh, not panic. You have to react pr- appropriately. And so this was no different for her. She was faced with a situation and she did what she needed to do, what she was trained to do. Mm-hmm. And she handled it like a fucking all-star. Yeah. And she was strong. I mean, being an ER nurse, I think you probably used to like cracking chests open and, and saving people's right. lives. Like, yeah. So she knew what she was doing and how to use what she had. 
That's incredible. This guy fucking I love that. Had nothing. He had no chance. He had no idea. He had no chance. <laughs> he had no idea. It wasn't worth the five grand, was it, bud? I heard another story too. I think it's a local story. Um, but this this woman was being attacked in a park by some guy, and she had self self defense training. And she like turned around and karate kicked the shit out of this guy and like chased him through the park. This and was recent, right? This was like a few years ago, I think, a couple of years ago. And he had no idea. He was like, you know, obviously go and attack this woman and she's chasing him away. Yeah, that was a local one. I remember yeah. that one. And there was one that I just read the other day that wasn't local, but she was like an MMA fighter and he didn't know. She looked gorgeous like this beautiful woman and he attacked her and she there's a picture of his face. He, <laughs> yeah. he didn't do so good. No. And she, like, beat the shit out of him and held him there till the police came. And these stories give me life. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, don't... You don't know who you're fucking with, You don't with, fucking man. know. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. These girls are gonna fuck you up. But I love that this, like, old chubby ER nurse just, like, no. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, what tell me it? who sent you and I'll call you a fucking ambulance. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bud? We need that quote on some shirts. I love that so much. <laughs> that was a so great good. story, Darla. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so excited I got to tell that story. We're about well, to go. Actually, I also did want to talk about um, oh. the Jeffrey Epstein documentary series. Oh. Have you seen that? I have seen that quite a while ago, but I, I definitely watched that. So I just, I recently watched that and it's, it's awful. But le- the part I loved most in that show was when they talked about the Me Too movement and how that helped all these women come forward. And they were saying, you know, like strength in numbers. And I don't know, to me, that was like, I was like crying for these women, but I was so empowered and happy that they could be able to talk about it together. And I don't know, that was the best part of of that disgusting show. Absolutely. Very interesting documentary, but shocking. Yeah, it's, it never gets easy to hear those kind of things, right? And but I am glad that it is more of the norm now to come forward and you are there is people that are going to, you know, not believe you or compare you to other situations, but always come forward. That is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's the hard thing to do, but it's important. Yeah. Well, we thanks for joining us tonight, Bonnie. Thank you. I hope we I hope we fulfilled your evening. <laughs> thanks for sharing that great story. And um yeah, we should do another segment survival stories i enjoyed this survival I think it's let us know if you guys thought that was interesting and fun for you um we can do lots more of those we can yeah send us your ideas if you have any stories you want us to cover uh yeah. let us know we have a few that we're planning on doing that um you guys have let us know but yeah. keep we'll sending the those. info yeah keep us keep us going and we'll keep you going and check out sage and ember when you get a chance guys they yes. have an etsy page facebook page and instagram Amazing. Rub it. Thanks, guys. Have a good night or day or whatever you're doing. Whatevs. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.